This is Stephen Adams. And this is Kevin Dr- oh, sorry. <laughs> Kevin Durant. <laughs> You're Kevin Durant, mate. <laughs> good to see you, mate. Different complexion. Okay, let's go to you. So, this is Stephen Adams. And this is Anna's Cantor. You're listening to the Down to Earth. Down to Dunk podcast. What? Down to, down to Dunk. Down to Dunk. I'll down say that. Dunk. Introduce yourself, mate. Here's Stephen Adams, and I'm Anna's Cantor. And you're listening to Down to Dunk podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Down to Dunk Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht, and with me, John Ham. John Ham, how's it going, man? Good morning. It's it's going well. Yeah, we're doing a morning right. pod. We usually do a midday pod, but we're doing a morning pod today. Yeah. Last night, the Thunder snapped their seven-game road losing streak against the Brooklyn Nets, which was good, because if they lost the 12-win Brooklyn Nets... <laughs> This guy would have been falling here in OKC, um, but they won one twenty two to one oh four last night. Uh, Rush recorded another triple double: twenty five points, nineteen assists, twelve rebounds, two steals, and a block. Uh, he was two for seven from three. Uh, I felt like he hit more threes than just two. Maybe just the ones that he hit were <laughs> just that good. Um, <laughs> he was incredible. Uh, I think the other thing that I took from this game is that. He and Todd Gibson are really starting to develop a chemistry, and Westbrook is figuring out exactly where he likes the ball and where he's going to move to, and uh, Taj is learning how to play with Westbrook as well. And I think that's a huge development uh, for this Thunder team. What, what did you think about Taj last night? Yeah, I, I said last night that it was very um, Ibakian. Yeah. Before before Serge Ibaka completely fell in love with the three pointer and because um, I mean Serge used to have that pick and pop you know fifteen to eighteen footer that was basically money. Um, there was mm-hmm. one season where he shot over fifty seven percent and it wasn't all dunks. I mean the guy was hitting you know consistently from mid range. So um, I, I like it that the mid range game is not dead. It definitely you know. is not an OKC. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of that, you know, there's a lot of smart people out there that'll tell you why this is awful. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the worst thing ever. You know, you might as well be taking threes. Uh, math, math, math. But <laughs> no, I, I, I think, um, you know, I, I think it's a wonderful addition because uh, honestly, he's hitting the shots that Sabonis has had trouble hitting um, since probably December. And that's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. And his intensity on defense and his. I mean, he's just a, an NBA vet, and he knows how to play. He's a quality starting player. And the Thunder were really kind of desperate for that and desperate for another guy that can score. I really liked how they closed the game uh, with the starters uh, minus Robertson and with Abrinas. Uh, mm-hmm. It just gave them all the space they needed. They actually had guys that could hit shots on the perimeter. Uh, Abrinas actually looked okay defensively last night. I mean, Granted, they're playing. He had a couple of good plays. Right. He blocked Sean Kilpatrick at the end of the second quarter uh, on a Mm -hmm. drive to the basket. He's a a smart player, and I've said that all year. He's really smart. Uh, His limitations on defense are going to be because of uh, how physical he can be or can't be because of his size. Uh, So that's that's really what's limiting him. And his shot was just on last night. He was 3 of 5 from 3, 5 of 7 overall, 13 points, 3 assists, 2 steals, and a block from Abrinas uh, in 25 minutes. I really liked uh, what he did last night. Uh, anything else stick out to you from last night? Uh, the defense was terrible in the first half. <laughs> terrible. T-R-R-B-L-L. This happens every time they play the Nets for some reason. Remember how hot the Nets were when they came into OKC earlier this season? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and you know, it's been Oklahoma city's thing. I mean, when they went on that three game road trip against three lottery teams, um, and just, you know, decided, nah, we can outscore them. Um, it it was that way in the first half. I mean, granted Brooklyn wasn't playing defense either. Um, but that, that changed in the second half. And, you know, some of that too was Robertson picked up those three fouls early and he had to come out. Uh, Taj got in foul trouble and, you know, this team has got, some bad defensive players on it. Mm-hmm. Um, like Ennis Cantor, for example, like, I mean, we just raved about Abrinas, but I think last night was more of an outlier than, than the norm for him. So um, when you're 
you know, best defenders get in foul trouble, your defense is going to suffer. And, you know, I thought that was an example of it last night. Yeah, and it just felt kind of lazy and sluggish more. Just like mm-hmm. not putting your hands up and just when guys are going around you, you're sticking your arm out or just just stuff that they're, they're just not playing solid defense. Uh, some of that is, is still Steven Adams. <laughs> like he still doesn't... Some of it is. <laughs> his, uh, his offensive game uh, was on last night. He was four or five from the field. He hit a... A, a range of shots. He had a lot of a lot of different kinds of shots, and he was had eleven points, five rebounds. Uh, but I just didn't, I didn't love his his defense last night. I didn't yeah. love his defensive effort. Um, and just he had the the second worst defensive rating on the court last night for the starters at a one hundred seven, which is an awful. Robertson had a one. Robertson had the weirdest uh, offensive and defensive rank ratings last night. He only played 19 minutes uh, because of foul trouble. He had an offensive rating of 144, and he had a defensive rating of 111. <laughs> which small sample size. It's one game. I I get that, but uh, that's super weird. For yeah, I mean, it, it is, but you know, that I don't know. Do you really need him like to lock down Karis Levert? <laughs> you know, I. I think that's one night you can get away with it. And and look, at least they didn't have to mount like a fourth quarter comeback at home against like, oh, I don't know, the 76ers. It could be worse. <laughs> Who would have to do that? <laughs> I, I have no idea. That sounds it's, – it's a fantasy thing I just made up. <laughs> hey, Karis LeVert was actually pretty good last night. He was. I kind of, I, I like the guy. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. The, that was the, a really good move. I, that was uh, – I. I think they traded Thaddeus Young to Indiana to get that pick yep. for Karis LeVert. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of talent Brooklyn desperately needs to, to get out of the hole they're going to be in for a while. Yes, it's looking, that's that pick is at least looking good. The rest of the Nets aren't aren't so hot. Uh, Hollis Jefferson yep. was really just destroyed by Todd Gibson last night in multiple ways. Yeah, it was uh, unfair. Uh, Jeremy Lin, man, Jeremy Lin is super good. People wonder like what's wrong with the Hornets this year. Uh, they they don't have Jeremy Lin. That's a big that's a that's, big loss. That is a big deal. It really is. I mean, he was so key for them last season, running that second unit. And yeah, it, it turns out that Ramon Sessions just isn't quite that. Well, hell, Sessions is injured, so it's not even him. I think it's Briante Weber at this point. Yeah. Uh, that's it's not not good for the Hornets. So they're no, they're, not at all. They're probably not going to make the playoffs. Uh, but anything else from that Thunder win? I mean, the, I kind of joke about it being like the snapping a seven game uh, <laughs> losing streak on the road. But even though it's the Nets, it's still a big deal. Um, but apparently, well, it was more like a home game last night than it was a road game, anyways. <laughs> Yes, it was. Um, and it's funny, you know, in the post game last night, I was talking about when when the Thunder went to Washington last season and there was all the pro Durant crowd there. I mean, there's people like in, you know, Wizards jerseys that had Durant's name on it or, you know, like jerseys like that. I mean, these were genuine Russell Westbrook fans that were there last night. You know, they weren't wearing, you know, custom Nets jerseys with Westbrook on the back. I mean, these were Oklahoma City Thunder number zero jerseys. And um, I mean, cr- credit to the the New York crowd. They usually appreciate, you know, basketball brilliance. So um, that was kind of, it was kind of funny just watching the fans just go nuts over Russ last night like he was in Chesapeake Energy. <laughs> yeah, whenever he got I don't even know that. I mean, I've been in the arena whenever Russ gets a triple double. I don't know that the crowd has cheered like that. No. <laughs> Whenever he gets like his final stat for a triple double, like he got that rebound and people just erupted. And I was like, what yeah. is going on? Are they throwing out t-shirts or is it, did somebody, <laughs> somebody just win a slice of pizza? Like what's going on here? Um, but he, they were cheering for his triple double. I mean, I was at yeah, the, the jazz game the other, the other day and I didn't, I didn't hear a cheer at all for the triple double. No. Well, I mean, for us here, I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, that's old hat, you right. know, exactly. <laughs> Russ wouldn't mess around and got a triple double again. And, I, you know, I guess if you're Nets fans and you're not subjected to, you know, that kind of basketball ability night after night. I'll have to ask um, Fred this later, but I wonder if they had like a triple double counter going on in the arena. Oh, right. Yeah. Which, yeah, because I mean, they were they were they were up to speed. 
Yeah. That, why don't Why don't the Thunder do that? Why don't they do that in the arena where they have just like a triple double counter just on the jumbotron? The jumbotron's big enough. Uh, why don't because, they do that? Uh, th- because that would be pursuing an individual achievement. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and on, honestly, I, I think that's it. I mean, that's true. Everything about this team is, you know, they, they acknowledge like, you know, Russell Westbrook's a superstar. Kevin Durant, when he was here, was a superstar. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, they, they have never, you know, tried to individualize, you know, the players. So I think that's kind of dumb. Who doesn't? Because I mean, I'm looking at my phone, and my the internet's not working in the arena, and I'm trying to figure out how many assists and rebounds he has. Like, everybody wants to know that, right? And I think fans would cheer yeah. for it. Yeah, probably so. But uh, yeah, uh, the, the other thing to take away: uh, Victor Oladipo is pretty important in this team. Yes, as it turns out. Um, <laughs> I, I I did a quick look yesterday. So the first 24 games of the season uh, before he injured his wrist against Boston, uh, he was hitting 45% from the field, 38 from three. Mm-hmm. You know, then, then, he missed, uh, then he missed several games and he came back and his shooting percentages in between coming back and then the back spasms dropped to like 43, almost 44 and uh, 32%. So I think definitely, you know, that the wrist was still a problem. He was probably not totally comfortable out there and he got fully healed up and man, he's come back. He's hit almost 57% of his shots. He's hit 68% of his three pointers. That ain't sustainable. Um, 68 would be fantastic. (laughs) Um, But he's been active on the defensive end. Um, I've, I've been really impressed with him since he came back. And it's just kind of funny because people were ready to trade him about a week ago. Right. Yeah. People were like, well, <laughs> do we really need Victor Oladipo? I don't know. Um, yeah. Here are his point totals since he's been back 16, 20, 22 and 21. He said at least three threes um, in every game that he's been back. He hit four threes in his first game back three in the, in the last three. Uh, he, he looks good. I, I still wish that he would get a chance to run the second unit a little bit more and play point guard yeah. for stretches so that he could rack up some more assists. Um, but last night, he was he was really good. He was creating his own shot. He had four steals last night. He only had two turnovers. Um, he's He's been everything that we wanted him to be this past summer whenever we envisioned Victor mm-hmm. Lodipo with the Thunder. Um, this is that's that's who he's been the last four games and if he can continue to do this i mean people have asked this question i don't i don't think the best backcourt in the nba but they become a part of that conversation where where do you think you'd put them in that conversation mm-hmm. yeah I've, I've seen that come up i mean obviously you start with clay and steph first of all yeah yeah i mean let's let's just be honest <laughs> um <laughs> then you, you have to look at Beal and Wall. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Next, is, is there another backcourt that I am completely overlooking before I get to Westbrook and Oladipo? Uh, Lowry DeRozan is another one that people talk a lot about. Uh, yeah, I mean they're, I mean they're both All Star type guys. Mm-hmm. That I, I, I would probably had be inclined to go ahead and put them right there for now, but. Let's let's check back in a year and see because you know maybe Lowry's going to be on the downside or you know start slowing down and and maybe these two guys will be clicking. Yeah, you could also say Harden and Eric Gordon maybe. Although they, yeah, although Gordon doesn't start. No, he doesn't start. Um, so yeah, I think that you could you put him right there with Lowry, DeRozan, and even with like Wall and Beal. You, you kind of have to weigh like how much better Russell Westbrook is than John Wall, and how much better he is than Kyle Lowry as well. Right? Yeah, yeah. That that is definitely a thing. So, and if Oladipo you know, could average looking, twenty points, sorry to interrupt you, but if he, if he could average twenty points, I think that you could put him up there, maybe even second. Yeah, I, I think so. That's uh, who knows. Maybe they're not far away from it. Um, no, what I was looking at was. Uh, because Oladipo is kind of a streaky shooter. I mean, he's on a hot streak now. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to last season, you know, in January of last season, he hit 48% of his threes. Yeah. And then in January, it was 
And so, I mean, he, he, he kind of bounces up and down, or at least last season. I think he's a better shooter, you know, this season than he was last year. And I think obviously playing with Russell Westbrook is more ideal than Alfred Payton. So that's probably helping matters a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so his, his splits are weird and they're weird every year and he continues that trend. So in October, uh, which is three games, he shot 25%. Mm-hmm. November, 44%. December, 25%. January, 35%. February, 25%. <laughs> and then in March, 68%. Mm-hmm. Three. Yeah. So he's, you're right. He's streaky. He's all over the map as far as his three-point shot. Um, but hopefully, he's just gearing up for the playoffs, something that Victor Oladipo hasn't seen before. So yeah, maybe he's uh, maybe he's fully healthy. And he did get a lot of time off, <clears throat> so um, yeah. Hopefully that will lend itself to him playing well come the postseason. Uh, hopefully so. Let's take a minute to thank our sponsor, Anchor Down. Uh, you can go to Anchor Down there in downtown Oklahoma City in Deep Deuce. Uh, they're a great corn dog restaurant, but that's not all. They also have a burger there. It's a double cheeseburger with fried onions, mustard, jack cheese, and smoky mayo. It's really good. It comes with their house chips. Uh, you could also order some pizza tots or some chili cheese tots to go with that. Uh, Anchor Down is is a great place to go to watch a game. They have lots of TVs inside. If it's nice outside in the evening, they'll put it on their projector outside. It will be a great place to watch playoff games because the weather will be nice then and we'll be able to hang out outside at Anchor Down. So make sure that you check out Anchor Down for Thunder Games and then also uh, go get yourself a burger or a salad at Anchor Down. <laughs> let's, uh, Absolutely. Let's look into some TQs, John. Let's do it. Uh, so this is from at DJ underscore Yardman. What is the preferred playoff matchup? Utah, Clippers, Houston, or the Warriors? <clears throat> well, here's the thing. I mean, they've shown this season. I, I thought they were going to have more trouble with Utah than what they've had. Yeah. Now, granted, one of those games was without Rudy Gobert, and that's obviously kind of a big deal. Sure. Um, Another game was without Rodney Hood, but then again, the Thunder also were without Victor Oladipo for a couple of those. So um, maybe they could match up with Utah fairly well. I think they can match up with the Clippers. I think they can match up with the Rockets. Um, I'm not saying, you know, I'm I'm not going out on a limb and saying, oh, yeah, they're winning that series. Um, But I mean, I just I I, I was having this conversation with Eric Horn, and it's like, you know, in those series, Oklahoma City is going to have the best player. Even if James Harden wins the MVP and they meet up in the playoffs, Oklahoma City will have the best player on the floor. So um, and and maybe even against Houston, they'll have the second best player as well. So I don't know. I, I'm just saying that I think that any of those, I think that they have a chance, uh, you know, uh, better than than what people probably want to give them chance of potentially pulling an upset. Yeah, they've really played all those teams except for the Warriors really close so far mm-hmm. this season. Um, man, I don't. I'm. I guess I would lean to Utah. Um, just because their lack yeah. of experience, uh, they've never been in the postseason before, and they they just, can't seem to stay healthy. Right. Um, I don't know if Derek Favors will be available. In, in that case, Todd Gibson will be a, a problem for them. Houston, I mean, I know the Thunder have played Houston very close. I know they have. and But still, there's a part of me that has seen some of the lazy three-point defense, and, I, and hopefully that will go away during the playoffs. Right. But if you play lazy three-point defense against the Rockets, you're toast. Yeah, I'm just thinking, man, what about a seven-game series where James Harden is going to have Andre Robertson draped on him? Yeah, it's, it's a good point. It's a good point. Uh, I'm, I'm, I just kind of I, I fear the Rockets in the playoffs. I, I think that if they can get hot and Durant's not right, uh, they could go to the finals, which I, it's kind of crazy to think about their their rise over the last year the last calendar year mm-hmm. but um it's it's possible i wouldn't say it's probable but i would say that it's yeah it's possible um yeah and the clippers i don't know i don't 
don't really know how to judge them at this point in the season because I feel like they're just hot and cold. There's been rumblings from like Zach Lowe that they just don't seem to like to play together anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. What does that team look like in the playoffs? I mean, they just got beat by the Jazz the other night. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that the Thunder... I think you're right that the Thunder can give all these teams a run for their money. And, I mean, if, if Durant's not healthy and the Thunder end up falling back to seven and the Warriors are at two and Durant can't play, man, the Thunder have a good chance to beat the Warriors if the, if this is how they're going to play. And I expect them to step up in the playoffs. Um, but their lack of depth and their lack of big men, and basically it all falls on Draymond Green, who we saw against the Thunder in the conference finals. Like, Draymond Green was invisible for a couple games uh, mm-hmm. in, in the playoffs. And, and I think that the Thunder are a really tough team. I mean, Adams is really tough for him to handle unless he's kicking him in the nuts. Um, Tom Gibson's <laughs> a handful. Uh, Ennis Cantor even is a handful. Um, and I know that he didn't play a whole lot against the Warriors, but he's he's still a handful. So, man, I, I think that they would have a good shot against a Durantless Warriors. What do, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, so here's the thing, too. My, my thing on the Warriors right now, I feel like I, I'm not saying that there's irreparable stuff going on there, but I do think that it, I, I don't think everything is right in the Bay Area right now. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just seeing a bunch of signs that I feel like if that had been happening in Oklahoma City, that every national pundit would be jumping up and, you know, screaming about how, you know, if, if if Russell Westbrook was doing the the things that Raymond Green was doing throughout the season, you know the national media would pounce on him. Yes, Andre Iguodala's ridiculous comments. Yeah, what is going on um, with that? That's so God. Weird. That was no, it was so bad. And then just the the try to laugh at you know Steve Kirk is up. Oh, you guys got Andre. And it's like oh, it's our fault. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll so try weird. to do better next time. Yeah, that was so dumb, so incredibly dumb. Um, I don't know. I, I just get the feeling that everything may not be just completely hunky-dory there. It doesn't have to be. I mean, there are teams that have won the title that couldn't really stand each other. But I, I don't know. I just kind of feel like that there's some stuff going on there that kind of the national media or even the local writers are just kind of glossing over. Like, oh, <laughs> Warriors going to be Warriors. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I, I, I don't think all is quite well there. Yeah, whenever you barely beat the 76ers at home, they're starting TJ McConnell and Timothy Luau Cabarro. Like things aren't <laughs> things aren't going well. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, obviously, I mean Kevin Durant being out, you know, is it's is part of the problem there. But still you take Kevin Durant away, isn't this still basically the same team that won 73 last season? I, I mean, they're very close to it. Um I mean now, I, I understand, like, you know, Matt Barnes is not Harrison Barnes. Zaza is not last year's Bogut. Um, but, I mean, th- that was kind of the risk yeah. when Golden State decided, you know what, we don't have enough superstars. we got to go add another one. That was kind of the risk to make yourself top-heavy. I mean, obviously, you shed excess guys to go get Kevin Durant, but it comes with a risk uh, if you, you sacrifice some quality depth in the process. Yeah, Sean Livingston has fallen off a little bit this season. He hasn't been... Um, quite what he was last year. Yeah, I mean it's it it's interesting, and I I don't know. I mean the Thunder would have a shot. I mean if if Steph Curry, I mean he's not been shooting the ball like Steph Curry. Clay Thompson finally got hot last night, um, but it looks like when you look at this team that they are Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and that's about it. And then you have Andre Iguodala who can bring it sometimes not every night uh it's it it makes the conversation very interesting and Mm -hmm. i don't know i mean i wonder i wonder how fast durant is going to heal uh he's got just a very unusual body in general and uh that foot took a long time to heal and heal properly and i know that there was some some bad things when it came to surgery and whatnot and his his foot just couldn't heal but i i I don't know i mean it's it definitely makes the season a lot more interesting um than it was before 
Um, and the, I mean, if the Thunder are the team, I think the Grizzlies wouldn't be that tough of a matchup for them because I think the Grizzlies have been playing even worse than what the Warriors have been <laughs> lately. Uh, but right, if it's the yeah. Thunder, uh, that's, I'd be concerned if I was Golden State. Um, yeah. But, We'll see. We'll see. Come Monday night. Monday night, we'll get a chance to see what these two teams look like without Durant playing. Mm-hmm. And and the Warriors are going to bring it. Like they're they may yep. have not brought it against the Sixers last night, and they may not be bringing it with all these other losses that they've had. But they're going to bring it Monday night, and we'll see. Maybe I'm completely wrong, which is not a doesn't deviate from normality very much, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I mean, again, this this team could be, you know, they could patch it up and they could go on a on a run and be the incredible team they were to start the season. I just feel like as season has drawn on, uh, that there may be, you know, I, everything may not be just as kumbaya as maybe as they want us to think. Yeah, and so do you, I think some of that has to do with how the Warriors handle the media, like a, they. Our, their PR staff is apparently just incredible and people love them mm-hmm. and they are probably feeding the media a lot of don't panic don't worry we're not worried you guys shouldn't be worried about it either kind of stuff because that's how, yeah that's how the media acts and if there is real turmoil they're not gonna I don't I don't think that they're gonna let everybody know um, but no, it's kind of seeping I mean, out the Iguodala stuff is weird it's so weird and then like to try to laugh that off like, I don't know, just yeah. to say, like, oh, well, Andre Iguodala is a really smart guy. Well, is he? Like, do really smart guys yeah. say that kind of stuff? Like, I'm, am yeah. I missing something? No. And that's what, I, that's what I say. Just the way that they kind of came out is like, oh, you guys are idiots. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. We'll try to do better next time, Steve. You know, why not come out and say, you know what? I, that was, I shouldn't have said that. I was wrong. And, you know. Uh, it, it was an inside joke that should have stayed inside, you know. And even then, we can talk about what a terrible inside joke it is. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. What's it's going on inside? What is that? Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, from at Brian Nix. Shout out to Brian Nix. What's up with Dougie's minutes? Last four games, he's had low. The previous game's extremely high. And what do you expect in the playoffs? Uh, I, I mean, Billy D is playing the matchups. That's that's what he does, and he's got again like eleven quality rotation guys at this point. So, you know, Grant's going to get gypped on some nights, and it looks like maybe McDermott on others. And if there's a night where Abrinas is just overwhelmed defensively, maybe McDermott will get some more time in those games. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of nice to have a few extra tools in the toolbox to pick from. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a problem that the Thunder ha- didn't have earlier this season where. It's like, oh man, we can't play all our guys. But before it was like, mm-hmm. man, we have to play all these guys. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, he played 14 minutes last night. I mean, I think that that's that's about right. And and I think that the there could open up some more minutes in the playoffs. Um, I think that Sabonis will play less minutes. I think that I'm hoping that they won't play a backup point guard in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might open up some time for McDermott. Uh, but you can also guarantee that all the starters are going to get a bump in minutes, that they're going to play 35 to 38 minutes apiece, um, and they're all going to deserve it. Um, so there's just going to be less minutes to go around in the playoffs, and McDermott, I mean, I guess he, he played between 10, maybe 20 minutes on during you know, against a certain matchup, but he's... He's not. I don't. I don't think that he's ready to play like thirty minutes a game or be a, a starting type player for this team. Um, which no, is, which no, is not fine because they didn't really they didn't give up starting level talent and they got back a, a bench shooter and he's twenty five years old and he's a, a bigger wing and he can score uh, in multiple ways and I think that that's still really valuable. But he, he's still learning how to play with the Thunder. Uh, he's still learning how to play with Russ. And I don't know. I, I give him some time, but I also wouldn't have very high expectations for him. Yeah, I mean, you can understand Todd Gibson stepping in, you know, being the, the veteran type guy that he yep. is. Um, but again, yeah, with McDermott, he's going to be in that sort of minutes mix with the guys that we just talked about there. And you know, th- there may be some games where he does, you know, get twenty four, and someone is going to get, you know, someone's going to get dinged as a result. So. Donovan is is uh, that's his thing playing matchups. Yeah, 
and he does it even more in the uh, in the postseason. So, right, I'm, I'm excited yeah. to see postseason Donovan again because it just seems he was just so much better and so different because uh, he still it still feels like he's figuring stuff out. Like I don't I don't think anybody asked this question today, but can you explain the Samaj Kristen? playing time like I'm, I'm i just feel like i'm completely missing something because i just don't think he's any good well <clears throat> norris cole hasn't shown much in his brief time either um yeah i i forget exactly what he said because i think i think billy d was asked about it by eric g um and you know billy gave some kind of comment on well he's still learning the system or he's not quite comfortable or something or I, I forget the exact verbiage, but more or less like they rolled him out there and was like, yeah, okay, he's he's not ready to help us right now. And I mean, this is a guy that obviously he didn't get a contract, so he went to China. Then he had a hamstring injury, and I don't know how much he's been playing over the past couple of months. So, you know, maybe he's still maybe he still needs to get into some kind of shape, um, and he's just not there yet. Um, maybe they've had a look at him once they got him in practice and went. Oh boy! <laughs> <You know>? Oops. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Um, I, I really don't know, but I mean, obviously, look, Billy Donovan's not in the habit of playing guys, uh, you know, that that don't completely undeserve playing time. Um, I, he he wouldn't be playing Kristen this much if he thought Cole was a better option. Yeah, it's it seems very odd, um, and it feels I don't know. It feels like they want to get an extended look at Samaj as well. Like seventeen, I don't, I don't know. I just don't, I don't like the seventeen minutes. I don't like really the right. any minutes coming from him, just because I don't, <laughs> I don't think that he's like that great of a defender, and I don't feel like he's. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely like a complete minus on offense, like worse than Robertson, offensive player. Um, I don't know. I don't, I just don't see it. Uh, so we kind of already answered Blake Crawford's question and also Jacob Silver's question that they submitted. So thank you guys for. Uh, submitting those, uh, Blake Crawford asked about Norris Cole, and then Jacob asked the question about the best backcourt um, in the league. Uh, Mikey Barra wanted to know what you think of Sabonis' defense the past two games. I mean, I thought it was fine. Um, you know, not I, I didn't come away with you know, oh my gosh, at least he's bringing it on that end. I mean, I, I saw a lot of the same stuff that I think I've seen most of the season, just in terms of you know, moving his feet well and kind of staying in front of his guy being, you know, active in, you know, passing lanes and things like that. Um, I, I, I thought it's been, I thought it's been fine. Yeah. I, I think he's a solid defender and I think that's kind of what he's going to be going forward is that he stays solid, hands up, uh, moves his feet well, like you said. And, and that's about it. He does. He still is fouling too much. I think that that's been yeah. an issue and, he still gets a lot of weak fouls. Last night he really did wasn't in foul trouble. He was he only had two fouls, but the game against Utah he fouled a little bit too much. Um, I think I think he's a solid defender. I think he's doing the right things. He seems to be. He has his head on a swivel. He's really trying. Um, he had a really some nice uh, defensive plays against Trevor Booker, who's a, a decent backup power forward. He's not like he's not like, mm-hmm. it's not like he's stopping Kevin Love or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I think I think that he's solid. And last night he was a plus seventeen off the bench, and he um, he didn't do a whole lot last night, but he, he did have two blocks, which was nice to see. And he had four points, an assist, and a rebound. I'm still really high on Sabonis. He's only 20 years old, and I think some people are really down on him. Or um, there's a certain podcast that thinks <clears throat> that he's uh, not really any good at all because they look at his PER and just laugh at him. And um, <laughs> I just, I, I just don't think that that's right. I, I think that when you evaluate this young, these young talented guys, I think that you have to use your eyes, and the numbers are not going to tell you everything. Um, so I, I'm still high on him. I still think that he could be a starting caliber power forward probably not like a star or a fringe all-star type player but i think that he could be super solid i think he's a guy that's going to hit shots and play solid defense and move the ball well and be a guy that can pass out of the high post so i don't know that's kind of where i see yeah. it's a bonus i 
I agree. And let's not forget that a year ago he was the starting center for Gonzaga. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. um, this is all, this is all new to him. Obviously the thunder saw some things in him that said, okay, we think he, he can play this four spot and we think he can do, you know, we think he can stretch the floor. We think he can be good defensively, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's awfully difficult to come in as a rookie and be, you know, a good <laughs> and be like impactful on a playoff team. So, uh, it can happen, like, but Mal- Malcolm Brogdon, for example, I mean, that's a four-year guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he might have even had five. Did he transfer during his college career and had to sit out a year? I think he's in other words, he's, he's already. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an older guy that came in the league. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just difficult. I I see things in Sabonis that make me say, okay, I I think I see what the organization saw, and I'm with you. I, I don't expect that he's gonna you know challenge for an All Star berth in the in the future, but if if he can be, I mean, not the type of player of Todd Gibson, but I mean, Todd has been just that solid power forward year in year out, um, and, and I think I think Sabonis could develop into that as well. Yeah, I think it's a good kind of model for him to be there to show him how to play good defense and show him exactly what to do. Um, yeah. So don't don't take this rookie year and then just spread it throughout the rest of his career. I mean. James Harden didn't have just oh, a fantastic man. rookie year. He had a 14 PER. He looked like an average player. I remember hearing Rick Buecher say, man, the Thunder really should have taken DeMar DeRozan instead of James Harden. Um, <laughs> so, Well, maybe he was right. They could have kept DeRozan. That's true. Pay him a max, <laughs> be paying him a max deal right now. That's right. <laughs> Westbrook DeRozan backcourt. Uh, Remember when DeRozan got like four years, forty million on his rookie contract extension? I mean, it was something yes, fairly low. So, well, but anyway, I, I also remember it. people freaking out that that was too much. I do too. <laughs> that I, I've had to bring that up so many times because I've had people, you know, at the radio station that just want to go on about way too much money for Oladipo or Stephen Adams, and that's just Sam Presti trying to justify those trades that he made. And I'm like. Usually rookie scale contracts turn out okay or turn out like in favor of the team. Yeah. Occasionally you get a you get a dud here and there, but most usually players will grow or outgrow that rookie scale contract. And we've seen it plenty of times in the past, like with DeRozan, like you just mentioned. Yeah, and even the Cantor deal. Like you I mean yeah. the day that it was signed, like there was like an atomic bomb dropped on Oklahoma City <laughs> of just like no. Like the yeah. world is ending because they're paying him seventeen million a year, and like now it's like, oh, okay, like he's yeah. he's, he's that kind of player. At least it's not uh, Timothy Mozgov, Lou Aldang, no Joakim Noah, Evan Turner, Bismack Biombo, Chandler Parsons. Chandler Parsons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's he's an extremely productive player, and and yeah, I mean as these deals go along. They just don't look as bad anymore. And like Jimmy yeah. Butler got his max extension at the time. I was like, oh my goodness, is Jimmy Butler going to be able to have this? And now they're like, well, Jimmy Butler's maybe, he's got the most valuable contract in the league, probably on that old, old scale money. And mm-hmm. he's got a few years left. I mean, the conversation changes rapidly. Um, so just be cautious whenever you're evaluating contracts, especially in their first year. Um, yeah. Unless I, you're joking, I, Noah. Yeah, except for that one. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like with veteran extensions, like the guys we just rattled off, you can understand how those can go bad. But if it's a rookie scale extension, yeah, if it's a guy that just completed his first four years and he's still on the upswing, you know, like I still remember people freaking out, laughing at Mike Conley. It was a four, if five year, forty five million dollar contract. Yep. And oh my gosh, what were the Grizzlies thinking? Are we sure it wasn't you know for nine million dollars total and blah blah blah? <laughs> you know, Bill Simmons had. Had plenty of time poking yes. fun at that. Yeah, dude outplayed that contract. So, yeah, be be cautious. Just like Ham yeah. said, be cautious when they get their uh, second contracts uh, because That's right. they're typically very good deals, um, even if they don't look like it at the time. Right. Uh, from Donnie Hazelwood at D Nasty. He's got a four in there for the A, but I think I'm supposed to pronounce it D-Nasty. Uh, he asks, hypothetically, what would it cost to re-sign Taj? Uh, the first number that came to, that comes to my mind is around like four and 50. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and I'm trying to think. So much depends on if another team out there is desperate enough to throw like 460 at them. Mm-hmm. What do you think the Thunder do? You know, I, from the very beginning, I felt like that that the chances were low on him returning. The more the more he plays out there, man, I just I just wonder. I mean. I, Going four years is the thing that I think that the team is gonna is probably gonna sour on, um, and, and just from experience, I know that was a sticking point with Kevin Martin. When Kevin Martin, you know, the Thunder were willing to re-sign Kevin Martin, but when he went and got a four-year offer from Minnesota, they said, you know, we're we're out. Yeah, and, and they were right. turns out they were right. <laughs> they were right, um, and so it's the same thing here with Taj. Um, I just think about what if he's. 35 years old, making 12 and a half million. I know bigger salary cap, blah, blah, blah. But what if he can't really do much at that age? Um, this team's been very cautious about that. So um, I don't know. I mean, they're still, if they can somehow, you know, uh, alleviate or wipe out like the Singler and Houston's contracts this summer, maybe that'll open up some room and they feel more comfortable about, you know, signing him and then, you know, look to move him down the road if they need to. Cause I, again, I, I feel like he's come in and feel like he's, he's fit in pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, it's, he's, he's a thunder player, you know, he's, yep. he can play defense. He does everything that they want, that they would want out of their power forward, except shoot threes. And I wonder if he could, like, I know he doesn't, but mm-hmm. like his, that mid range shot is almost automatic. Um, uh, he is great from 61 feet. Yes, so. that's, true. <laughs> that's true. He's in all of them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Prove me wrong. That's right. Yep. Need to work on that some more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, like like you say, he, he kind of, you know, whenever we hear about the quote unquote thunder guy, it seems like he's got all of the qualities that you would look for. Um, and he's he's in the, the same age range as as uh, Russell Westbrook. But I mean, too, I mean, like the Thunder, this is kind of the age where they tend to cut bait. I mean, like with Tabo, yeah. you know, they they cut bait with Tabo and went with a younger guy. Um, in, in a lot of ways, I can understand why this might be seen as a rental. You know, the, the team just wanted, you know, the front office just wanted to give this team the best opportunity to do what it could this season. And then they'll, you know, kind of go back to where they were. Um, I don't know, but he's, he's fitting in awfully well. And if they do re-sign him... I think that his value could increase over the next year. And also with him having a longer deal, teams might be more attracted to that. He's a guy that they can keep. Um, so like the Thunder could get like a first round pick for him um, next mm-hmm. year. And I don't know. I, I, I'd i love to see him stick around. I, I think that he fits really well. I think Russ is learning how to play with him. He's aggressive. He's a good defender. He can really defend some threes. Like I think he could. He defends LeBron a lot, or he at least he did with Chicago. He could defend Carmelo Anthony in spots. So I, man, I I like him, and I'm excited to see what he can do uh, against the Warriors because that's something that the Thunder just lacked when they played the Warriors in the in the past few games is that they they just didn't have enough quality NBA players. They had a lot of young yeah. guys who didn't really know what they were doing. Uh, Jeremy Grant had to be like a really impactful player for the Thunder to even be in the game. And, you know, it's he's Grant's only done that in spots this season. So I think that he makes a huge difference. I think uh, McDermott in the short minutes that he gets make make a difference because they're both just NBA vets and they know how to play. Um, yeah. And I, I kind of hope that they do resign him, uh, but it's also not my money. Right. Yep, exactly. Um so I, I don't know. I really hope, you know, if maybe they can get in, negotiate a good deal. Maybe they can negotiate a three-year deal with maybe a little bit bigger money. I, I don't know. I I wouldn't rule it out completely. It just seems like it doesn't seem super likely. Yeah. Even like a two-year, $30 million deal. Yeah. But I, could, I couldn't blame Taj if he is like, look, this is my last big contract, you know? Yeah. Because in two years, he um, could... He could very well be an eight million dollar player instead of a fifteen right. million dollar player. Yeah, exactly. So, not not every player is like Paul Millsap, willing to take short term deals, you know, uh, yeah, and go hit the market again. 
Yeah. Remember when Paul Millsap and Kendrick Perkins were making the same amount of money? Man, those were the days. <laughs> um, any, anything on Russell Westbrook? He's on, he's had his, was it 32? Triple double 33. 33. My bad. 33. And he's basically going to average a triple double unless something terrible happens to him because he only has to get um, 7.8, I think 7.8 rebounds and then 8.8 assists. Uh, that's what he has to average going forward to get the triple double. And it seems like uh, that's going to happen, which is super crazy and something that it doesn't seem super crazy just because that's what he does. Um, but he's normalized the triple double to us. But um, do your best Thunder fans to appreciate this because this is very special. This is something that you're going to talk about for, you know, in 20 years, you're going to say, well, I remember watching every game of Russell Westbrook averaging a triple double. And it may be something that doesn't happen for another 50 years. Um, That's right. Because it takes yeah. a really, it takes really special circumstances for someone to average a triple double. Um, and the Durantless Thunder um, have brought that out of him. So uh, enjoy yeah. it. Hey, the, the last TQ I want to touch on before we jump off here. Yeah. Because I thought this was a really good one. This was from uh, Thunder Follower, from at Basketball Follower. Uh, he asked, uh, which one is better individual season performance, Kevin Durant's MVP season or what we're seeing out of Russ in 2017? <laughs> I don't know if this is recency bias, but I, I just think that what Russ is doing is in- more incredible. It's all time. It's something that you know you'll see it once in a lifetime out of a player i mean durant's season was really special uh he was an incredible score that that team without russ wasn't that good um but he made them an, a close to elite team uh i don't want to discount what durant did that season because it was very good but uh, to see what russ is doing with you know the second youngest team in the nba um, I, I didn't really think it'd be possible for him to average double-digit assists with this squad, um, and he's made that possible. Uh, so I, I think it's Westbrook. It's interesting. I I still go back. You know, KD had those you know the twelve straight games of thirty plus points. Mm-hmm. I think he I think he averaged over thirty eight you know, over thirty eight points per game over that stretch. He had you know that huge streak of twenty point games. Um, he grabbed a lot of boards, had a lot of assists during that time. I, I, I don't know. I, I understand like Westbrook is it's historical because we haven't seen this in so long. Yeah, I, it's it's close. It's close. I mean, I, I probably edge a little bit towards Durant because he was just. I, I, if we could go back and look at our tweets from that season, it's probably just all. Oh my god, I can't believe what we're seeing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, stuff. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I would probably lean a little bit more that direction. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I thought it was an interesting question. Yeah, for sure. And that was his, it was 2012-13 or 2013-14. I'm trying to remember. 13-14. Because he had 32 points, <clears throat> five and a half assists, seven rebounds. He was great. I mean, he, he really took that team to a whole new level. Um, that... Let me look up the roster for that. 13, yeah, I mean that was team. that was where Russ missed half the season. So it was Reggie Jackson starting. Um, you know, Jeremy Lamb was was a key guy off the bench <laughs> to start the season, uh, and then yeah. Karan Butler joined uh, for the last twenty games. Yeah, Derek Fisher. This was still a good Serge Ibaka, a, a pretty good Reggie Jackson, uh, Robertson was a rookie adams was a rookie tavo was still on the team hashim the beat mm-hmm. this was a hashim the beat season uh um, so but he was he was probably the third string center right because adams was the primary backup yes yeah that was okay a, that was a rookie season yeah his rookie season at the beat wasn't too bad the season before man i actually kind of yeah kind of liked him um yeah, yeah i mean i I think I mean I don't I don't want to discount what Durant did because he was no, incredible no. and he was the primary ball handler for that team uh, when yeah. Russ was out because uh, Reggie was not you know great Reggie at that point in time I think that was Reggie's second year um, so I I still give the edge to Russ just because of the historical greatness 
mm-hmm. um, that that he's displayed this season, and in the wake of you know kind of turmoil and adversity with the franchise. Yeah, um, because at that time OKC was still kind of the darlings of the league, um, and I think I would give it to Durant if he had hit the 50-40-90 that season because that's also a very historic mark but he just he missed it with uh the free throws and he only shot 39 percent um from three and i know people are like oh these are just arbitrary numbers why are you choosing these arbitrary numbers like well actually they do mean something like people yeah i'm we didn't make up the triple double me and john ham did not um it's right. actually been people that have been fawning over these numbers for you know 60 years i mean everybody everybody talks about these numbers and then people talk about well they're just arbitrary actually they're not like no yeah they're not arbitrary numbers. 50 50 40 90 is not arbitrary it's an incredible right. accomplishment and a triple double is not arbitrary either because it that's also an incredible accomplishment so i think those things do matter like hitting those marks does matter um and i just think the the historical part of it for westbrook just kind of puts it over the top for me yeah, it's just like we've you know we've decided four hundred in baseball is yeah. a is a certain plateau. Or once upon a time it was fifty home runs in a season because that almost never happened, and then suddenly everyone was doing it. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's there, there's a round number that's picked out somewhere, and that's where the bar is set. A random number would be, oh, no one's averaged twenty one point five points, six point nine assists, and you know, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, yeah. that would be random. And the players aim for it too. I oh yeah, no Westbrook doubt. or uh, Durant wanted fifty forty ninety. Like he aimed for it when he was twenty four yeah. years old. He aimed for that. That's what he wanted to do, and he did it. And he he got it. He got it that year before. Yeah, and Westbrook. I mean, Westbrook also probably very much enjoys getting triple doubles. And yeah. what human wouldn't like if you could do it? You do it, right? Sure. Um, Absolutely. Especially if it's helping your team. Like you, you go ahead and you do it. So, um, anything else, John? I don't think so. I think we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast today. We will follow you on Twitter at John M. Ham. We'll listen to you on the franchise, read you a bleacher report. Uh, anything else going on right now, John? Uh, not a whole lot at the moment. Just trying to uh, trying to get through the rest of the season. Yes, uh, the playoffs are quickly approaching. We are going to have um, some news about some playoff games and some uh, watch parties. So uh, look out for that and uh, follow us at DTD Podcast. Send us an email uh, dtdpodcast at gmail and please leave us a five star iTunes review if you have time today. If you listen to our podcast uh, every week. Please uh, just take a few minutes to leave us a five-star iTunes review. That makes a big difference to us, and have a great Wednesday.